0: You're listening to The Shopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the
1: chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Welcome back to The Shopping Block. Annie and Brett here. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, it is September 13th, which means that my co-host, counterpart, partner in crime,
0: Brett is 35 years old today. I can run for president. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new sound we just added to the show. 35. Yep. That the, one was homemade. I try to always think of something significant about every year and I can run for president now. I think it's 35 is the is the age requirement.
1: Brett, we might need you to run for president.
0: Yeah, I would run on uh, smiles and hugs. So, How Bob Goff of you. <laughs> Just trying to bring that vibe. <laughs> Positivity, baby.
1: Well, welcome back to the chopping block. Uh, we're going to dive in deep today.
0: Yeah, from smiles and hugs to elders and church leadership. There we go. There we go.
1: Thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, we are close to finishing our journey through First Peter, which feels like one of the longer series we've done in 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 your time as the teaching pastor at City Life. Probably the longest. Yeah, 19 weeks, do we say?
1: Next week will be 19 weeks. So this okay. was week 18.
0: It's been a great series. I think First Peter, while at times feeling maybe foreign with suffering language and some of the things that he Gets into is really applicable to life now and for us and in our cultural moment, and so I think it's been really helpful. I've heard lots of great feedback, and this week we were on elders. The week after, you know, Peter gives this really helpful, encouraging, consoling, maybe also challenging word on suffering. He moves to exhorting elders. Verse one of chapter five: I exhort the elders among you as fe- as a fellow elder. And witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you. So he moves from suffering to now addressing the leaders of the church, the leaders of these churches, the elders. Why do you think he goes from suffering to elders? You kind of started with that in your sermon. Why do you see that flow there?
1: Well, suffering sheep need shepherds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, uh, I mean, I, to me, it's that simple. Like, I think as Peter thinks about, you know, this call to endure suffering, and he's going, "Hey, like, this is just going to be the reality of following Jesus in a world that's, to some degree, hostile uh-huh. uh, to you now as a follower of Christ. You are going to need, you are going to need shepherds to guide you and to care for you and to tend to you, and so Peter pivots and you know, specifically calls out these church leaders to say, hey, you got to shepherd God's flock. You got to care for these sheep. Yeah.
0: And church leadership, it's an interesting church polity, church leadership. It's an interesting topic because, you know, like looking back on church history and seeing there are almost 39,000 denominations, you also have lots of different ways that churches are governed and structured. You know, we are an elder-ruled church and we'll talk about that more in a minute, but you have episcopal churches that have a hierarchy that leads to a bishop, you have presbyterian churches that are led by elders, you have congregational churches, you have deacon-led churches. Why do we have this 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 variable this differences, all these differences in church leadership? Well, despite what some
1: would tell you, the New Testament doesn't lay everything out with black and white clarity. And so some of the reason for the different models is that there's some degree of ambiguity. Uh, Now, some things are really clear to me, Mm -hmm. and there's a reason why I'm in the you know the stream I'm in uh, when it when it comes to church governance because I think some things are clear but not everything's clear I think the other reason is as a result of that early on in church history you had you had different practices starting to form mm-hmm. and so pretty early in church history you end up with more hierarchical structures where the office of bishop is being distinguished, and the word for that in the Greek is episkopos, right? Yeah. From which we get episcopal or episcopalian. It's a bishop model. They're distinguishing that office from uh, the office of shepherd or pastor and, and or elder. And so they're seeing, they're interpreting the text differently, Um so I think you know early in church history you start to have some of those structures forming, yeah. And so there's long history there. Um, so those are the
0: reasons why we have the different practices that we have. And you, you talked about you know some of the things I can remember you saying in the sermon were, you know, pastor. The word pastor is not often used as a noun. Maybe once in Ephesians, um, it's always used as a verb. The shepherd. Right, right. But you you talked about, and and we've talked about this before, how we see this this word "elder" or potentially it's it's uh, translated as overseer in other translations, and pastor is interchangeable in the New Testament. You've you've said that to me before. Why why is that so? Why is that the same? Talking about the same office? Well, I think it's it's the same office that's
1: connotating slightly different. works of the office or practices of the office, um, roles of the office. But I think the reason why I think that is one of them is the text that we were actually in Sunday mm-hmm. where you have, you know, the noun is elders, right? Uh, presbyteros in the plural. And then the verb is shepherd. Uh, but it's the same root as the noun for shepherd or pastor. Um, and then you actually have the third word, which is overseer, or exercising oversight, which is the word for bishop. You have all three right there in 1 Peter 5. But there's only one office there, and there's two actions attached to that. That's good. From the same root words uh, of bishop or uh, pastor. The other is uh, Acts 20. You have the same sort of a thing happening. This is where the Apostle Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders. It's kind of his... His departure, and he's giving them kind of a final commission, a final word of address, and um, and he tells them, verse twenty-eight: "Be on your guard for yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers." There's the word, and then here comes the verb to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. And so He's talking to the elders. He tells them that God has made them overseers um, or bishops to do the work of shepherding or pastoring. And so you have, again, this all three terms being used in somewhat of an interchangeable fashion, uh, but referring to only one office. And so it's, those are the reasons why I draw the conclusion that the terms bishop, elder and pastor refer to the same office and they, they connotate slightly different functions of the office.
0: That's really, really helpful. And that's why at City Life, you can't hold the title of pastor unless you're an elder and vice versa. And so while you and I are the vocational pastor elders on staff, we have lay elders that we would consider pastors as well. The way that we're sort of
1: nuancing it at City Life is we tend to uh, associate a pastor with being paid, and so essentially, a pastor is a paid elder, Okay. a staffed elder. Yeah, um, but we could just as easily call them staffed elders. You know, you could be the elder of discipleship. I could be the elder of teaching, and uh, and we could refer to all of our lay elders as lay pastors. We're we're using those two terms completely interchangeably. Gotcha. An elder is a pastor. A pastor is an elder. Um, we're not really differentiating between those two words as if they're different offices, except for the fact that we tend to use pastor in association with a paid or staffed elder.
0: Right. Now that's helpful. And you made, you know, he says in verse one of chapter five, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. And you made this comment in your sermon as well, that, that rarely, at least when it's talking about, the leadership of a church or writing to a leadership of a church or speaking of the leaders of the church, elders always used in the plural sense right. and uh, speaking to these churches had a plural, a team of elders, a plurality of leadership. Um, and, and you kind of just spoke to the, how important that is and the weight of a singular pastor being responsible for overseeing an entire flock—talk about the plurality for a minute. Why is that so helpful in general? Why is that biblical? And then maybe why is that so helpful for you and in your seat as you pastor Sea Life Church?
1: I don't want to be too firm or dogmatic here. I think you could potentially point to um, John's later letters, First, Second, Third John, and make an argument for a single pastor model. Yeah. Um, but I think that the norm. I think the normative practice Mm. in the New Testament is a team of elders, and I think it's the healthiest by far. Um, So you have Paul telling Timothy to go to Ephesus, and he says, appoint elders, Mm. plural, right? Um, Same thing with Titus in Crete. Put things in order by doing what? Appointing elders, Mm -hmm. right, in the plural. Here you have Peter writing to these churches in Asia Minor And he addresses the elders plural and the normative practice of church planting in the new Testament was for the gospel to go into an area to gather those people who have believed together and to begin to try to organize them into a church by appointing elders and deacons. So the two, um, two key offices for every local church that we see in the new Testament are elders and deacons and elders tends to be always in the plural. Um, You know, I think it's the healthiest because I don't think, you know, as I said Sunday, Jesus is the senior pastor of the church. I don't think any one person um, should bear the the full responsibility of shepherding a flock. And I've just found that in my own life in ministry, I mean, I think I said this to you off air, like I don't know that I'd be in ministry if, if I were in models where I was the solo pastor. I, I just think I would have burned out by now. I, I just cannot speak— highly enough to the value and the importance of having a group of guys alongside of me to support me in ministry, to help me to shoulder the load, to shepherd the flock. I mean, it has in critical moments sustained my soul. Mm. Um, it's carried me through. Um, and I just think it's so critically important. And And one of those reasons is um, – you're just you're you're not the hero of the church like you're it doesn't need to rest on you. Yeah. Um it's really good. You know, but god forbid you know someone's disqualified from ministry, there's a failure or there is a burnout. The beauty of a team being there to continue ministry on and to continue to care for the flock. I mean, it's just, to me, it's, it's the healthiest and safest model for ministry to have a team. of I men. there's an accountability there. There's a support structure there. I just think that the positives of that model, it's not only, I think, the most biblical. I think it's just the healthiest.
0: That's good. That that's, um, provides a little insight into even your mind and your heart and what you experience, what we experience as a team, a shepherding a, cl- a flock. But also think it speaks to, you know, the next section of the passage really talks about the how of shepherding, you know, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So then you have this you have the call to shepherd the flock, and then you have kind of a description of the character of a shepherd, the the how of shepherding. But if you think about the plurality that really helps keep the guardrails up for shepherds. It provides the checks and balances for the how, so that one person doesn't become, you know, start to leverage their power in an unhealthy way. Because there's a team there that provides checks and balances to each other yep. in, a, in a really gospel sense. So I think that's really important. But when you think about those those character traits, you know, shepherding willingly, eagerly, and um, as an example to the flock, the negative side of that are the dangers that, we're, that that having a position like pastor maybe tempts us to. So can you speak to that for just a moment? When, when you sit in your seat, um, and you have your title, your position, what are the temptations and dangers that you really have to guard your heart from? You know, I think
1: Peter actually hits on them really well. You know, so one is that you fall into the ditch of just doing this to draw a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know that there's a there's a level of compulsion. You know is the word that he uses like I have to do this, right? Um, so it's not a I get to. It's you know you you lose that sense of calling and it's like I have to or I I'm doing this because it it pays the bills. I think that's a real danger of falling into a sort of a rut where you're just going through the motions. I think is another way to say that. You're just, you're doing what has to get done, but you've lost that sense of calling. I think that's a real danger in ministry. Um, burnout is another way to describe that. I think burnout's a real danger in ministry. I think another is, you know, this, you know, Peter talks about doing it greedily. Right. Where you can be, um, you can be greedy for another, for a number of things. One is you want the church to grow because you want more money. Um But also, you can just be greedy for notoriety and recognition. You can be greedy for a platform. I've seen a ton of that. Pastors figured out that social media is a really powerful tool to get their name out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of guys, you know, I think it's so critical that Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. I've watched a lot of pastors forsake their calling by trying to shepherd sheep on the interwebs. Wow, that's good. And not shepherding the sheep right in front of them not Mm. shepherding their flock. Uh, It's a big danger in ministry. You're trying to build clout and recognition. Um, So Peter's dead on it. And then the third is lording it over them, you know, that you begin to view yourself as significant or important. You begin to use your authority to serve yourself and you begin to oppress others. I mean, there, you know, the, the rise and fall of Marcel podcast was all about the journey of a leader who I don't think started where he ended. Yeah. Um, But his fame and power got to his head and he began to leverage that in some really unhealthy ways. And it was an oppressive work environment and a ton of people got traumatized by that. And he was not the only one that, that did that. There's been a lot of leaders that have lorded their authority um, and I think there's a particular danger in ministry because you can spiritualize it. And you you can begin to read your own press and think that you are the Lord's anointed.
0: Mm.
1: You know, that there's some special <laughs> sanctification on you. And uh, and so Peter is just, I mean, it's, it's Holy Spirit inspired text, right? Like God knows what he's talking about, the dangers of ministry. Um, to do it either begrudgingly and to you know, border on burnout or to do it greedily and to become prideful and puffed up or to do it uh, authoritarian and to use and abuse others. I think all those are real dangers in ministry. And so Peter calls us back to, man, this is an, this is such a gift of the Lord that he he doesn't need you. He's chosen you in his grace. Yeah. And you get to do this. Um, One of the, one of the, uh, just quotes that I reflect on pretty regularly comes from Zach S. Wine. Uh, he wrote a book called The Imperfect Pastor, and he talks about the dangers in ministry of uh, essentially trying to be Jesus, which is to know it all, to do it all. Um, uh, what's the other one? To be everywhere for all. So the dangers of omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. Mm. Like, and he really calls pastors to go. No, you're called to do um, to be in a place. And to do a small thing for Jesus. Um, And he asked this question. He says, Do you have the stamina to do an unseen thing for Jesus? And that's been a, that's just one one of those questions, just a barometer. Evaluation, yeah. Where am I at? Do I need to be seen? Do I need to be liked? Or is this about serving the Lord?
0: Um, That's some of what I think Peter's hitting on here in his call to elders. Yeah. It was kind of two things that came to my mind as you were talking. One, you made the statement as you were kind of talking about all these first couple of verses here that like just realizing and what we'll get to in a moment, but that Jesus is a senior pastor of this church. You made the comment just that, you know, you're replaceable mm. and living with this reality that you're replaceable is really healthy to keep you from beginning to think too highly of yourself. I had a woman at, at, at our city group who said that really hit her. And she's been thinking about that a lot, even with, she kind of, um, you know, really finds her identity in your work. Right. And, and just like I do often. And so thinking through that idea of being replaceable was really helpful. And that even S wine quote really hits on that again. Hey, Hey, Jesus is the one doing the work, right? Jesus is the one transforming hearts and minds. You're, you're a vessel. And and God can b- bring another vessel if He wants to. It's Super humbling, but also super freeing if you will live into it. Yep, and enjoy it, and rest in it.
1: Yep, and that doesn't strip that doesn't strip your vocation or your calling of significance right. or importance because God is still choosing to use you. It's, it's it's full of dignity and honor and significance. Um, it doesn't mean He needs you.
0: Yeah. No, that's really good. And I the second thought I had while you were talking was just this verse 4, right? How this is the um, you, you use the word barometer, it's the lens, it's the it's the the Holy Spirit check <laughs> and balance that keeps us in line to know that when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Hey guys, elders you're under shepherds. Mm. You're not the chief shepherd. That's right. There's one higher than you, greater than you, and he's coming. He will return. And you serve him. Yep, You serve for him, and you look to that day for the actual, the real glory that can be found in ministry. It makes me think of the parable Jesus
1: told about the faithful manager and the unfaithful manager. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be found faithful when the manager returns right. or when the owner returns, Right. You you want to be a faithful steward of what the owner has left you with. You don't want to be found unfaithful. Yeah, um, that seems like some of what Peter's hitting on here. Hey, you're not the chief shepherd; he's coming. Be found faithful. Yeah, uh, don't abuse your ministry. And the other thing is, like, what crown are you living for? Right what What's what's the motivational glory that you're after? Is it, I mean, Jesus' language in Matthew 6 of beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be seen by others. Are you living for a glory in your position or are you living for the unfading crown of glory that's coming when Jesus comes back? Right. Um, it, It sort of helps frame everything up and go, man, you know, don't forget that Jesus is the chief shepherd and he's coming with crowns.
0: Yeah, that's for everyone though, too, right? Like, uh, yeah, that's not just for pastors. like this is this is a passage talking to elders, but in, you know, a lot of you lead in some area of your life, whether it's home, work, somewhere else, or, or or you're just trying to be faithful in the ministry God's called you to, and remembering who you're serving and what you're serving for, and why you're serving is so important. And you know, I'm reading through the um, the Sermon on the Mount again right now, and just The theme there of like, hey, don't do this so that others see you. Don't do this this for your platform. Don't do this so that you get acclaim. Because if you do that, that's your reward. That is your reward. But if you'll do it in secret, for righteousness, for God's sake, to know him personally, then your father who sees in secret will reward you. Shameless plug, you should come to the Discipleship
1: Conference in November. Right. Because we're going to be talking a lot about that. Well, we're not. We're not. John Stark is going to be talking about that. Guys, shameless plug here. Pastor John Stark coming in November, going to be amazing. And it's going to be all about that idea that Brett was just hitting on.
0: Well, I know we're running out of time here, but I feel like this is something to hit on. Verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because... God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The second half of the verse is so important. I want to spend some time on there, but but I actually think the first half is hard in our culture. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. We live kind of in an anti-authoritarian, anti-authority age where it's question every authority, question every institution. Let's be honest. We said this off air. There's a lot of good that came from that, and there's a reason, too. There have been authorities who have leveraged their power for toxic toxic and abusive ways. There have been institutions that have been found to be corrupt. But what that has done is thrown every authority out with the bathwater, the baby out with the bathwater, in such a way that we find submitting or subjecting to any authority to be almost offensive, even in our individualistic society, right? So what's your word as you think of this in the same way you who are younger be subject to the elders, those who struggle with this language, those who go, you know, this team of elders, city life, why should I be subject to them, you know? What's a word, a pastoral word for this verse?
1: It's going to be somewhat of a circular argument, right? Um, But... We subject ourselves to the Bible's authority right? because we believe it's God's word. And because we believe the Bible is God's word, we submit to what it says. And the Bible just won't let us get away from the idea of the goodness of authority. Mm. Now, clearly what Peter is calling these elders to and calling the church to in response is healthy leadership. Right. Um, the Bible won't let us get away from that either. The, the role of leadership is critical. I mean, we looked at it in the sermon, the prophets rebuking the leaders of Israel for their corrupt and rank leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of leadership matters. You are not called um, ultimately to blindly submit to evil leaders, to godless leaders. Right. But what Peter is saying here is when elders shepherd faithfully... It is blessing and flourishing for a church to come underneath that leadership. And that when a church submits to godly leaders, God pours his grace out on that. Mm. That when everyone's living in humility, I mean, you can't get out of, you, you cannot get away from the way that Peter describes leadership here in Jesus right. and his example. Like it's, it's ripe with Jesus's own teachings. So Peter is describing Christ-like leadership. I mean, this is very similar to Paul's description of husbands and wives. Uh-huh. As husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church, sacrificial, selfless, emptying of themselves, and wives submit to that sort of a husband, mm-hmm. you proclaim the gospel to the world. And Peter seems to be doing something similar here. As elders shepherd willingly and eagerly setting the example for the flock. That's humble leadership. hmm and the body submits to that, submitting themselves to the elders, that God pours out his grace on that kind of a church. Um, so you just can't get away from the biblical idea that good, faithful, godly leadership leads to flourishing. It's mm-hmm. God's idea. We cannot just cast off the idea of, of authority. We need to be discerning there. Uh, so this is not a call a blind following. Right. But it is the same, and God blesses this. He calls it good, and we should too. And order is good. And authority is good when it's used appropriately. And Jesus
0: is our model. And this leads us to really the final point, that the only way this is going to happen, both from an elder perspective and from a church member perspective, a shepherd and a sheep perspective, is if all of us are clothing ourselves with humility towards one another. Humility is the is – Christ is the foundation, right? Christ is the foundation of the church. But humility is this rope that ties it all together. It's the bow that really makes this gift of, of healthy church happen. Because humility is, in
1: essence, thinking – less of yourself not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less it's being right. focused on the other and when leaders are focused on serving the body and shepherding the flock and when the flock is gladly submitting themselves to that kind of a leader man it's just it's it's a it's a cycle of selfless pouring out toward the other mm. i mean that's a whole lot like the trinity you know yeah um th- this this uh dance of
0: you know others focus love. I mean that is the essence of the gospel. By yeah. the way, Romans you know, twelve <laughs> outdo each other in showing honor. Like just you walk into a church and people are just no. I, I actually want to do this for you. No, no, let me serve you. Let's let's. How can we care for this person? It's rare. I'm not
1: looking for, and yeah. it's attractive and it's sweet.
0: Yeah. I mean, you want to be in that sort of an environment, and there's grace there. Yeah, God's there. May God make City Life Church that type of church. Amen. Thankful for you, man. Thankful for the elders of City Life. I, I get to serve with, with you guys, but I, I can tell you that this group of men serve with humility and serve with faithfulness. They, they they have integrity, they're consistent, they're not perfect, they make mistakes. We will have we will make mistakes, but uh, man, it's it's really fun to be on a team like ours. So thankful for you, man. Likewise, bro. See you guys next week. <laughs>
1: If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.